morning. How are you guys? Good deal, good deal. My name is Dylan Meyer. I'm the youth pastor here at Westview, um, and we're jumping back into um, a series that I've, I've enjoyed a lot. Um, the series is entitled A Mile in Their Shoes, and so our goal in this series um, is to look at different um, characters of Scripture and to dive into their lives and to see what it would be like if we put on their shoes and walked in their life, to experience Scripture how they experienced Scripture, to experience God how they experienced God. Um, and in that, um, one of my favorite things is when I wake up in the morning and, and I know, based on what, whatever is going to happen that day, that I can't do it by myself. I love that when I wake up in the morning and I look at my day and I go, I can't do this without Jesus. I know it's going to be a good day. And um, if you look at your worship guide, you'll notice that the notes are arranged a little bit differently today. Um, something that we're going to do today is we're going to be looking at two different characters. And so we're going to do some comparison, some contrast. And, and basically what I want you to know is that however you see fit to use these lines to write down what God writes on your heart, please do that. Um, we're gonna, there's not going to be notes projected on the screen per se, but I want you to write whatever resonates with you that's coming from these characters in Scripture. What relates to you, write that down. Um, because my goal, our, our goal today, is to do something, to begin something that we can't do on our own. And as, as we walk a mile in these shoes, I know that that's not something that I could do alone. And so my wife is joining me today, and, and we're going to be walking a half mile in, in each set of shoes, if you will. Um, so that's where we're taking off today. Will you guys just close your eyes, and I want you guys to picture a world with me. Picture a world that is surrounded by fear, that just sometimes feels like it's suffocating you as there's fear all around you. And within this world, there's a power-hungry dynamic as people are thinking only about themselves. And as they're wanting to just be able to conquer each other so they get their way. And in this world, everyone's judging one another to just try to seek what is best for themselves. And in this world, there's disunity all around. As this disunity comes from everyone being so focused on themselves, and there's disunity and chaos and fear wherever you look. And as you picture yourself in this world, picture yourself having no voice, having no say, and I want you to picture yourself as others look at you. And when they look at you, they don't respect you. And they look at you with little to no value. And in this world, when you look at yourself, you see something similar, little to no value. And continue to imagine in this, in this world You've been on a very, very long journey, and you still have not arrived. Imagine yourself tired, weary from traveling. Imagine yourself wandering, not knowing where you're going or even how you're going to get there. Navigating the difficulties that, that spring up each day. Imagine yourself trying to be faithful, 
even amidst the unknown, even as doubt continues to creep in, trying to be faithful to something that you can't yet see. And around every corner, you're continuing to be tested, to be tried, to endure difficulty and hardship. And in this same world, amidst all of that, you are clinging to hope. You guys can open your eyes. I don't know about you guys, but to me, sometimes that world doesn't seem so far away. Sometimes when I look around me, I see very similar things. Sometimes when I look around, I see that there's a a search amongst us for power, for status, people looking to climb the ladder and willing to step on others to get there. I see disunity and division as as we fight for our voices to be heard and, and stomp on others so that we can scream even louder. All the while understanding that as we scream and shout, oftentimes we have no voice. Volume doesn't change the fact that we are or are not heard. Sometimes, even amidst all of this, we have no voice. And it makes us feel like we have no worth. Nobody values what we have to say, so that must mean that they don't value us. We don't feel worthy. And we're tired. We're wandering in search of something that we know is out there, something that's better, but we don't know how to get there. And we don't know how much further it is. But we are still clinging to hope. There was a woman that lived in a world that looked just like this. And her world was Jericho. And this woman is Rahab. And as we look at her world, she lived in a city that was known for their armies and for their defense and for not having to rely on anybody else but itself. And this woman that lived in this world was not respected, was not valued, and had little to no meaning. See, she lived in the wall of Jericho, and so her material things added up. But the only reason she had any of that was because her family sold her to the king. And she was sold to the king to host this inn. This inn where people came that the king sent. And they also saw her as no worth, no value, and treated her with no respect. And living in Jericho at this time that we're going to talk about was scary. And it was scary for everybody that lived in Jericho. But it was especially scary for Rahab. See, Rahab was only known to bring her family belonging and status. That's all her worth has ever added up. And now she lives in a time where she's afraid as the Israelites have been promised the city. But she's stuck being a slave to a king who treats her as property with no worth, no value, and is afraid. But in that same world, on a very different path, is a young man named Joshua. You see, unlike Rahab, his journey was very different. He wasn't a slave. He was 
an Israelite. He was a part of a chosen people to be holy, to be set apart. He was on a very different path, but still facing difficulties of many kinds. It's not that his path was easy, just different. You see, because he wasn't a slave anymore because the Israelites had been freed from their oppression in Egypt. But even in, in the midst of that, they spent the next 40 years wandering in search of a promise they knew was coming. You see, they had been wandering in a wilderness for a long time. They, they left the comfort of what they knew in Egypt for something that they thought and knew to be better, but they hadn't gotten it yet. And so they continued to wander. And this is the life that he was living Around every corner was another battle. Around every corner was another test, another trial, another thing where, where he needed to prove his faith. And he was going to be the leader of Israel next. He, he was being trained and taught by Moses so that when Moses let go of the reins, he was to take up the mantle and to continue to lead the people of Israel toward this promise that they were in search of. And I, don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking, holy cow, big shoes to fill. Moses was the guy. He led them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea, and he led them through the wilderness in step with God every step of the way. And so Joshua had some seriously big shoes to fill. Talk about a burden of leadership with uh, everything that he was going to have to go through. He was being tested and tried for this moment so that with every trial, he would prove to be obedient to God the whole way through. And that had to be so difficult because I think we all know when we look at, at the story of Moses and how he led the people, it's not like these people were just peaches and cream all of the time. And so Joshua had to deal with the wrestling in his own heart while also dealing with the complaints and the doubt and the frustrations of the people. You see, he was in search of this hope that he needed, but he also had to keep the faith for all of the people following him. And as they continued to do that, I can only imagine that they grew tired, they grew weary, and doubt began to set in. If you can put yourself in Rahab's shoes of ever feeling worthless or feeling unrespected or little to no value and then hearing about a God who for the first time brings hope to her life. See, for the first time, she's hearing about a God that parts the Red Seas, that conquers the land of Canaan, and for the first time, she's able to imagine a hope to be worth more than what her environment says she is. To have a respect more than what her environment says she's worth of. See, for the first time, she's hearing about this God, and it brings hope. And as she has this faith, it's not because she experienced God. It's not because he spoke directly to her at this point. It's simply because she's heard of what he's done. She's an honest of how powerful God is. And I think about when we think about the power of God, it seems so mundane to us at times. Yeah, we know God's powerful. Yeah, we know he's great. 
But when we truly sit in the power, when we truly look at it through Rahab's eyes, we see the honest of how great he truly is. For the first time, she saw a hope to be more than what her environment said she was, to be worth something more. See, when the Israelites were coming to conquer the land, they sent two spies into Jericho. And the king of Jericho got word of it. And so these spies were looking for somewhere to hide, and they go to Rahab's inn, or her house. And when they go, immediately she knows something's different. Immediately she knows these are not the same people that live in her city. And as she tells them that, she gives up everything that is comfortable for her. Everything that she knows, everything that she has been told, she gives it all up to hide these spies and to deceive the guards so that way these spies can live. See, she has strength because for the first time she sees hope and so she has a faith from just knowing how powerful God is. She just simply heard and had faith. Joshua had faith too, but his looked different. He wasn't hearing about this for the first time. This is something that he would have known very well. You see, Joshua growing up as an Israelite boy, he would have been well acquainted with the God of Israel, Yahweh. He would have heard about him daily. He would have been in, in daily interaction with God. Everything that his life meant was centered around this idea, this understanding that God was here, God was present, and they were in pursuit of his kingdom. You see, Joshua had a faith, but it wasn't brand new. It was established. It was developed and he wasn't just hearing about it. He was seeing it. He was living it. As God led the people out of Egypt with Moses and through the Red Sea and then wandering in the wilderness, Joshua would have lived these things. He would have been in the wilderness with Moses. He would have saw and understood when, when Moses brought water from a rock. As God did that through him, he would have saw that and he would have drank that water. All of these miracles, all of these opportunities, all of these things that Rahab was merely hearing about, Joshua had lived. He had seen with his eyes and touched with his hands. He had walked that ground with his own shoes. And then as the mantle was passed from Moses to him, then he was the one that miracles were being done through. As they approached Jericho, they would have had to cross the Jordan. And just as Moses split the Red Sea, Joshua through God's power, split the Jordan and they crossed on dry land. You see, his faith wasn't brand new. It was tested and it was trusted because he wasn't just hearing it. He was living it. He could see it. See, Joshua too had faith and he was walking in that faith and that faith was tested and trusted. And if you're anything like me, then you can relate to Rahab Maybe not being sold to a king. But if I'm being honest, we sell ourselves to different things. See, we sell ourselves to money, to power, to trying to have control or fitting in or just 
trying to have control over our own lives in whatever way. And we create a disunity, not just with each other, but also with God, as we try to do it on our own. See, and all of us would most likely agree that our society is scary and doesn't look like we want it to. But if we're being truthful, and if we're looking in the mirror, I wonder how much of us look the same way. See, when Rahab would have looked at the mirror before this incident, she would have seen herself as no value or worth. She would have just seen herself as what her environment saw herself as. Nothing. But as she hears about God and she hears about what he can do, she starts seeing herself differently. See, she starts seeing herself as worthy. She starts seeing herself as loved. She starts seeing herself in eyes that have hope. And it all started just by hearing on how great God is. And it makes me want to ask the question of if our faith could look like Rahab's, of looking at our lives, and yes, her life didn't look great, but it was comfortable, and it's what she knew. And it was scary to put all of that on the line. But she had a devoted faith. And so I wonder if we would also step out in faith. Or maybe we relate more with Joshua. And we've known and loved God for a long time, and we continue to wait on this promise, but our patience is wearing thin. Because we know that we need this desperately. We've struggled and we've suffered for it. We've been tested, and our faith has proven true. But we are so ready for what is to come. And we are clinging to a hope. A hope that we need just as much as anyone else. And when we feel that move in our hearts, we want to be that voice of hope. And we'll scream and we'll shout and we will proclaim that hope with all that we have. But at the end of the day, we know that we need that hope and that hope is for us also. We have a faith in what is to come. And it's been tested. And we may be growing weary, we may be tired, but we also understand that in faith we know that just because we've loved God for a long time doesn't mean that he's ceased to love us. You see, his favor has never been cast away from us. God has never left us and he never will. And because of that, we hold on. Do we have the faith to continue to hold on? You see, Joshua and Rahab both had strong faith. Their paths were different. Their trajectory was the same. Both of them aiming right at Jesus. But there was one thing standing in their way. They were both a product of God, stepping out in faith to see obediently what he had for them. And there was one thing standing in their way, and that would be Jericho. This city of walls, this impenetrable fortress was standing in their way. 
And I don't know what you guys are thinking in terms of walls. I don't know if you're thinking picket fence or that, that part of the episode in VeggieTales where it seems like it's eight miles high. I don't know what wall you're picturing, but it's a big deal. You see, this wall wasn't like any other wall. It's what made Jericho famous. This wall was impossible to penetrate. It was impossible to overcome. That's what was laid at the Israelites' feet. And when I say it's impossible, I mean it's impossible without God. You see, God had told Joshua, I have given the city over into your hands. And then he gave him instructions. He said, I have given it to you, just do this. And so the instructions were for seven days, you're going to march around the city. For the first six, only march around once a day. The priests in the Ark of the Covenant are going to go and they're going to blow horns as you march around. You're going to do this for six days. And if you're like me, and I don't know if Joshua's like me, but you're thinking six days, wow, that's a long time. Can we speed this up a little bit? How about three? But at the same time, I also understand Joshua's been walking around in circles for 40 years, seven days, probably super doable. And so they are to march around for six days, but on the seventh day, it's going to be different. On the seventh day, God wanted them to march around seven times. And on the seventh time on their way around, the trumpets would blow just a little louder. And when that happened, all the people were to shout, and the wall will fall. That was the promise. And so Joshua took that information, and he got started early the next day. He said, okay, let's do this. And so in faith, six days, the Israelites marched around the city. And then on the seventh day, Joshua gave instructions. He said, on this seventh day, we're going to march around, and when the trumpets blow on our last trip around, we're going to shout, and the walls will fall. When that happens, we are going to go in, and we are going to conquer the city. And when I was reading this in, in the scripture, I was, I was a little torn up. I was a little confused because this is, this is a huge victory that God is going to be claiming in Joshua's life. But the picture isn't pretty. When they go in to conquer the city, it's brutal and, and ugly and, and messy. And that was concerning to me. But right before chapter 6 starts, the Lord, the host of heaven's armies, approaches Joshua, and Joshua asks him a question. He says, are you for me? Are you for my enemies? And the host of heaven's armies responds, no. <laughs> what? If you're like me, that's like true or false question, and he answered option C, please. And that what he was saying was that God was not choosing a side, either Joshua or Jericho. God was moving within his will, within his plan, and Joshua was to choose a side. God is for all people, and Joshua was to walk in step with God's plan. And so if you're like me, you're having a hard time seeing how this may have happened. As they continue to march around and preparing to, to just destroy the city, what were those six days for? I think because we know God's character, we can understand that maybe those six days were an opportunity of grace. As they marched around the city with the presence of God with them, that others could see, the city of Jericho could see and turn their hearts just as Rahab did. 
so that when that seventh day came, they had every opportunity to turn with maybe that fear turning to faith, an opportunity to step out and, and to grab the love of God. On the seventh day, Joshua gives his instructions. When the walls fall, we will conquer the city, but Rahab and her family 